November 6th, and welcome to the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast. My name is David McAdam, and here are some of the top stories from today's passages from the Old and New Testament readings. Ezekiel chapter 14, Israel's dream team lawyers fail to persuade the Supreme Court. Noah, Daniel, and Job are unable to produce sufficient evidence to avert the national death sentence in the Israeli homeland. Ezekiel chapter 15, God offers his choice vine as firewood. Unnatural crop failure renders celebrated vineyard useless. Ezekiel 16, a Cinderella story gone tragically wrong. Greatest marriage betrayal in known history. God's orphan queen dumps divine husband for low-life prostitution. Hebrews chapter 7, a fail-safe cure from fatal disease introduced. Approach to God guaranteed by divine oath and the work of indestructible priest and king. Psalm 105, singer-songwriter confesses that he cannot fully express his gratitude for God's goodness and salvation. I'm thankful that we have this opportunity to take in God's truth behind the headlines, and I trust that you will find true nourishment here for your soul. So let's go to where we left off yesterday in our reading in Ezekiel chapter 14, beginning with verse 12. Jerusalem will not be spared. Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 12. And the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, when a land sins against me by acting faithlessly, and I stretch out my hand against it and break its supply of bread and send famine upon it, and cut off from it man and beast, even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they would deliver but their own lives by their righteousness, declares the Lord God. If I cause wild beasts to pass through the land, and they ravage it, and it be made desolate, so that no one may pass through because of the beasts, even if these three men were in it, as I live, declares the Lord God, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters. They alone would be delivered, but the land would be desolate. Or if I bring a sword against that land and say, Let a sword pass through the land, and I cut off from it man and beast, though these three men were in it, as I live, declares the Lord God, they would deliver neither their sons nor daughters, but they alone would be delivered. Or if I send a pestilence into that land and pour out my wrath upon it with blood, to cut off from it man and beast, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, declares the Lord God, they would deliver neither son nor daughter. They would deliver but their own lives by their righteousness. For thus says the Lord God, How much more when I send upon Jerusalem my four disastrous acts of judgment, sword, famine, wild beasts, and pestilence, to cut off from it man and beast. But behold, some survivors will be left in it, sons and daughters who will be brought out. Behold, when they come out to you, and you see their ways and their deeds, you will be consoled for the disaster that I have brought upon Jerusalem, for all that I have brought upon it. They will console you when you see their ways and their deeds, and you shall know that I have not done without cause all that I have done in it, declares the Lord God. Chapter 15. Jerusalem, a useless vine. And the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, how does the wood of the vine surpass any wood, the vine branch that is among the trees of the forest? Is wood taken from it to make anything? Do people take a peg from it to hang any vessel on it? Behold, it is given to the fire for fuel. 
when the fire has consumed both ends of it and the middle of it is charred, is it useful for anything? Behold, when it was whole, it was used for nothing. How much less when the fire has consumed it and it is charred, can it ever be used for anything? Therefore thus says the Lord God, like the wood of the vine among the trees of the forest, which I have given to the fire for fuel, so have I given up the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will set my face against them. Though they escape from the fire, the fire shall yet consume them, and you will know that I am the Lord, when I set my face against them. And I will make the land desolate, because they have acted faithlessly, declares the Lord God. Chapter 16 The Lord's Faithless Bride Again the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations, and say, Thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, Your origin and your birth are of the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. And as for your birth, on the day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling clothes. No eye pitied you to do any of these things to you out of compassion for you. But you were cast out on the open field, for you were abhorred on the day that you were born. And when I passed by you and saw you wallowing in your blood, I said to you in your blood, Live. I said to you in your blood, Live. I made you flourish like a plant of the field. And you grew up and became tall and arrived at full adornment. Your breasts were formed, and your hair had grown, yet you were naked and bare. When I passed by you again and saw you, behold, you were at the age for love, and I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I made my vow to you and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord God, and you became mine. Then I bathed you with water and washed off your blood from you and anointed you with oil. I clothed you also with embroidered cloth and shod you with fine leather. I wrapped you in fine linen and covered you with silk. And I adorned you with ornaments and put bracelets on your wrists and a chain on your neck. And I put a ring on your nose and earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver, and your clothing was of fine linen and silk and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour and honey and oil. You grew exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty. And your renown went forth among the nations because of your beauty. For it was perfect through the splendor that I had bestowed on you, declares the Lord God. But you trusted in your beauty and played the whore because of your renown and lavished your whorings on any passerby. Your beauty became his. You took some of your garments and made for yourself colorful shrines, and on them played the whore. The like has never been, nor ever shall be. You also took your beautiful jewels of my gold and of my silver, which I had given you, and made for yourself images of men, and with them played the whore. And you took your embroidered garments to cover them, and set my oil and my incense before them. Also my bread that I gave you, I fed you with fine flour and oil and honey. You set before them for a pleasing aroma, and so it was, declares the Lord God. And you took your sons and your daughters, whom you had borne to me, 
and these you sacrificed to them to be devoured. Were your whoring so small a matter that you slaughtered my children and delivered them up as an offering by fire to them? And in all your abominations and your whorings you did not remember the days of your youth, when you were naked and bare, wallowing in your blood. And after all your wickedness, woe, woe to you, declares the Lord God. You built yourself a vaulted chamber and made yourself a lofty place in every square. At the head of every street you built your lofty place and made your beauty an abomination, offering yourself to any passerby and multiplying your whoring. You also played the whore with the Egyptians, your lustful neighbors, multiplying your whoring to provoke me to anger. Behold, therefore, I stretched out my hand against you and diminished your allotted portion and delivered you to the greed of your enemies, the daughters of the Philistines, who were ashamed of your lewd behavior. You played the whore also with the Assyrians, because you were not satisfied. Yes, you played the whore with them, and still you were not satisfied. You multiplied your whoring also with the trading land of Chaldea, and even with this you were not satisfied. How sick is your heart, declares the Lord God, because you did all these things, the deeds of a brazen prostitute, building your vaulted chamber at the head of every street and making your lofty place in every square. Yet you were not like a prostitute because you scorned payment, adulterous wife who receives strangers instead of her husband. Men give gifts to all prostitutes, but you gave your gifts to all your lovers, bribing them to come to you from every side with your whorings. So you were different from other women in your whorings. No one solicited you to play the whore, and you gave payment while no payment was given to you. Therefore you were different. Therefore, O prostitute, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Because your lust was poured out and your nakedness uncovered in your whorings with your lovers and with all your abominable idols and because of the blood of your children that you gave to them, therefore, behold, I will gather all your lovers with whom you took pleasure, all those you loved and all those you hated. I will gather them against you from every side and will uncover your nakedness to them so that they may see all your nakedness. And I will judge you as women who commit adultery and shed blood are judged, and bring upon you the blood of wrath and jealousy. And I will give you into their hands, and they shall throw down your vaulted chamber and break down your lofty places. They shall strip you of your clothes and take your beautiful jewels and leave you naked and bare. They shall bring up a crowd against you, and they shall stone you and cut you to pieces with their swords, and they shall burn your houses and execute judgments upon you in the sight of many women. I will make you stop playing the whore, and you shall also give payment no more. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament, the book of Ezekiel. Let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we have just read. Perhaps Judah's elders in exile thought that if they had a prayer meeting, they could intercede for Jerusalem and avert the disaster predicted by Ezekiel. They were in for a surprise. First, the Lord denounces the elders, letting them know that their efforts in prayer were hypocritical. They were pretending to be sorry for the sins of their brothers back in Jerusalem, yet were secretly practicing and enjoying the same sins in their own hearts. The Lord says through the prophet Ezekiel that he recognizes their hidden idols. They are pretending to seek the mind of the Lord when they are just as unrepentant of their sins as the remnant remaining in Judah. 
The Lord lets them know that, in this case, even the prayers of their most righteous men could not save the city. It was that polluted, not even the intercession of such righteous men as Noah, Daniel, and Job could avert the prophesied judgment. In Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 14, verse 16, verse 18, and verse 20, the Lord promises four dreadful judgments will come to their homeland, judgments by sword, famine, wild beasts, and plague. Their food supply would be destroyed. Yet because of God's mercy and His promise of a future restoration, a small remnant of sons and daughters will be spared. Chapter 14, verse 22. But behold, some survivors will be left in it, sons and daughters who will be brought out. Behold, when they come out to you and you see their ways and their deeds, you will be consoled for the disaster that I have brought upon Jerusalem, for all that I have brought upon it. They will console you when you see their ways and their deeds, and you shall know that I have not done without cause all that I have done in it, declares the Lord God. In Ezekiel chapter 15, the Lord once again refers to Israel as his own vine. Remember how Israel was referred to as a vine in Psalm 80 and Isaiah chapter 5 and chapter 27 and Jeremiah chapter 2, and we'll see it in Hosea chapter 10 and Matthew 21 and John chapter 15. However, there is no life left in this vine. It was planted and tended most carefully by the Lord Himself, yet through its own wayward nature it failed to produce fruit. Israel proved to be a false vine. The vine dresser found no purpose in keeping it. Its dead branches were useless for anything constructive. It had not even the moral fiber, the inherent strength, to produce the smallest peg to hang anything on. Its dead branches were only fit to be burned. The illustration underscores the sole purpose of the vine, to bring forth fruit for the satisfaction of the vinekeeper. If it fails at that, it completely fails. In John chapter 15, Jesus teaches that he is the true vine in whom the vine dresser, that is the Father, takes pleasure. He has eternal life, and eternal life produces eternal fruit. He grafts in those who believe in him. However, apart from abiding in him, we betray any potential for fulfilling our purpose of bringing forth fruit for the glory of God the Father. The 63 verses of Ezekiel chapter 16 contain the longest single prophetic message in the book. Ezekiel is given another illustration of the sad condition of God's people. It follows the thought of the previous chapter. In failing to produce good fruit, Israel prostituted its calling. God's covenant bride has betrayed him. The story is told of how Israel, once orphaned and abandoned by the fall of her idolatrous parents, was adopted, cleansed, adorned, betrothed, and wed to the gracious king, who not only took her to himself as his only bride, but gave her every good gift imaginable. Yet in rebellion she turned her back on his kindness to become a harlot. Israel was chosen by the king. She became the wife of Yahweh. Spreading the corner of his garment over her, which was a ritual signifying that a man was willing to take a woman to be his covenant bride, he was pledging to cover her every need. He was demonstrating the commitment of his love. Then I bathed you with water and washed off your blood from you and anointed you with oil. I clothed you also with embroidered cloth and shod you with fine leather. I wrapped you in fine linen and covered you with silk. 
and I adorned you with ornaments and put bracelets on your wrists and a chain on your neck, and I put a ring on your nose and earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver, and your clothing was of fine linen and silk and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour and honey and oil. You grew exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty, and your renown went forth among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfect through the splendor that I had bestowed on you, declares the Lord God. Ezekiel chapter 16 verses 9 through 14. Although this parable pertains to Israel at the time of the exile, it parallels our salvation story. We were orphaned by the fall and needed to be cleansed from our Adamic heritage of sin by the shed blood of the sinless substitute. He clothed us, adorned us, and betrothed us to himself. It is important for us to be presented to him as a chaste bride. This Cinderella story takes a tragic turn, however. We hear the sad news of Israel's unfaithfulness to her husband. She turns to any old lover as she plays the harlot, picturing her idolatry. But you trusted in your beauty and played the harlot because of your fame, and you poured out your harlotries on every passerby who might be willing. You took some of your clothes, made for yourself high places of various colors, and played the harlot on them, which should never come about nor happen. Ezekiel 16, verses 15 and 16. What a shocking betrayal! Yet how easily our sin nature self-righteously convinces us to trust in our own wisdom, strength, talents, and accomplishments. It seeks the affections of other lovers, while failing to love the Lord our God with all its heart, mind, and soul. As one biblical commentary writer, Lamar Cooper, puts it, The girl once left for dead, who was nurtured to maturity, and who became the bride of her benefactor, also became unfaithful. The reasons for the fall of the nation are presented poignantly in this section. Ezekiel enumerated at least eight reasons for the exile. Pride in verse 15a, spiritual prostitution in 15b through 19, materialistic idolatry in verses 16 through 19, human sacrifices in verse 20 and 21, forgetting God in verse 22, propagating her prostitution in verses 23 through 25, trusting relationships with pagan nations in verses 26 through 29, and a weak will that cast off all moral restraints in verses 30 through 34. Then the prophet announces judgment in the strongest terms. She will be punished as would a convicted adulteress under the law of Moses. Ezekiel chapter 16 verses 36 through 41. Now let's go to today's reading in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews chapter 7 verses 18 through 28. For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness, for the law made nothing perfect, but on the other hand, a better hope is introduced, through which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath, for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath, but this one was made a priest with an oath by one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number, because they were prevented by death from continuing in office, but he holds his priesthood permanently, because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost 
those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament passage from the book of Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews reminds us of additional important information concerning the mysterious priest Melchizedek. He represents a transcendent priesthood, predating and excelling that of the Old Testament priesthood of Aaron, a priesthood proved to be subservient because tithes are always given from the lesser to the greater. He also represents a transcendent life in that he has no beginning or ending of days recorded in his history but he is of royal lineage. Priests were to represent man to God. Kings were to represent God's rule to man. This Melchizedek had a distinctive name, King of Righteousness, and ruled over a distinctive place, Salem, meaning peace. We get this information from Genesis chapter 14, verses 17 through 24, when Melchizedek mysteriously appears as the representative of the Most High God and offers fellowship, bread, and wine in honor of the God-given victory and rescue of his kinsmen. But there is another reference to Melchizedek in Scripture. This reference is not in relationship to Abraham, but to David, many generations later. It is found in the Messianic Psalm, Psalm 110. Not only is Melchizedek greater than Abraham, receiving tithes from him, but he is greater than David. He is David's Lord and King. The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power, in holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Psalm 110, verses 1 through 4. The Lord, Yahweh, is speaking to David's Lord. Jesus claims this reference as pertaining to himself in Matthew chapter 22, verse 42. The Lord God is saying that all authority and power is given to him, the Messiah, David's descendant, yet David's king. Here's the vital new information provided by Psalm 110. God himself swears by his own existence with an unbreakable oath, assuring that he will not change his mind, that David's Lord, God, and King, the Christ, in Hebrew the Messiah, will not only be king according to the Davidic covenant of 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12-13, through 13, but an eternal priest, a perfect unfailing priest, a priest of a line that transcends the stipulations of the Mosaic Covenant regulating the imperfect, transitory, and temporal nature of the Levitical priesthood. To the Christ, God says, you are a forever priest, a perfect, permanent priest, after the order of Melchizedek. 
He ever lives and never fails to make intercession for us. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, this priest, unlike Aaron and his sons, did not need to offer sacrifices for himself. He was sinless. This priest offered the perfect sacrifice of himself. The sacrifice was once and for all. It did not need to be repeated. This priest is the first ever recorded to have sat down. His work was finished. This is what Jesus declared from the cross in John chapter 19, verse 30. The law did not give mankind a perfect priest. God did, and he did so with an oath. You can't top that. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26. The NIV captures the thought well. Such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Now let's go to today's reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 106, verses 1 through 12. Praise the Lord. O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all His praise? Blessed are they who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you save them, that I may look upon the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. Both we and our fathers have sinned. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedness. Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled by the sea, at the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it became dry, and he led them through the deep as through a desert. So he saved them from the hand of the foe, and redeemed them from the power of the enemy." and the waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them was left. Then they believed his words. They sang his praise. Here is a prayer of repentance and submission to the Lord. This portion of the psalm makes us think about the words of the thief on the cross as he recognized his desperate need for Christ as his King and Savior. The psalmist said, Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you save them. In Psalm 106, verse 4, the thief said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Luke 23, verse 42, the psalmist said, Both we and our fathers have sinned. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedness. The thief said, We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Luke 23, verse 41, the psalmist said, Yet he saved them for his name's sake, to make his mighty power known. Psalm 106, verse 8. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Luke 23, verse 43. The psalmist said, He saved them from the hand of the foe, from the hand of the enemy, he redeemed them. Psalm 106, verse 10. We join them and say, Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. 
Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare His praise? Psalm 106, verses 1 and 2. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. And now for our final stop on our Bible reading tour, we come today to Proverbs chapter 27, verses 4 through 6. Wrath is cruel, anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful friends will speak the truth in love. Sometimes what they say may hurt our feelings, but also save us from trouble. Those who seek our downfall will often pretend to be our friends. Here is another proverb reminding us to choose honest-to-God friends. Now let's pray together. O faithful God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, may we never forget the gracious rescue provided for us in the reconciliation won for us at the cross. We need not look anywhere else for our satisfaction than in the glorious person of your Son. He is our daily bread, and He alone can nourish our soul. Lord Jesus, you are a faithful friend. Thank you for exhibiting and declaring true truth. We pray that our minds will continue to be renewed as we study your word, embrace it by faith, and live it out in obedience. In your precious name we ask it. Amen. Well, this concludes today's excursion through the Old and New Testaments, and God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow. If you have any questions or comments or testimonies, you can write us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you'd like to receive a daily email with a written copy of our commentary on each day's Bible reading, you can subscribe at newlife.org. And don't forget to visit our website, newlifefinearts.org. And remember, you can follow us too on Twitter and subscribe wherever you get podcasts to the One Year Bible Tour. So until next time, let this word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Shalom.